0: Expectans expectavi dominum et respectit et emisit in os meum canticum novum. With expectation I have waited for the Lord and he had regard to me. He put a new canticle into my mouth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Every Sunday is a day of resurrection, but today's Mass brings this out in a particularly clear way by presenting us with the resurrection of the son of the widow of Naim. St. Augustine pointed out in the reading at Matins this morning that we are told of three resurrections that our Lord worked during his life. He raises the daughter of Jairus. He raises this young man in today's gospel. He raises Lazarus. But as St. John tells us, there are many other things that our Lord did which are not written down. And we can imagine that perhaps there were many others whom he might have raised from the dead in his earthly life. But we are given this story today, one of the simplest of the gospel passages. Even the very sentence structure is quite simple. I was struck in chanting it, just how many brief sentences there were. Uh, Just one rather matter-of-fact statement after another. And yet these short statements are deep with meaning. It's a dramatic scene. Our Lord going into this city, and a dead man is being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. The fathers, many of them see in this son being carried out an image of humanity, humanity dead in sin. The widowed mother, the church, weeping over the plight of her children. And they come before the Lord And misericordia motus super eam, dixitili noli flere. Moved with mercy upon her, he said to her, do not weep. At the heart of this gospel are these words, misericordia motus, presents us with the heart of our Lord, moved to pity. And so he speaks the word without even being asked, it seems. But he perhaps heard the prayer implicit in the tears of the mother, and he speaks the word of command, surge. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. This is an amazing story, and we can appreciate the wonder of the crowds calling out, A great prophet has arisen among us. But the Father's, again, St. Augustine this morning, reminds us that The miracles of our Lord aren't simply worked in order to get attention, in order to have people wonder at them. One can do that, but that would be like marveling at the skill of the one who wrote out a particular passage in calligraphy, but not being able to actually read the passage and understand what's being said. And so too, these signs that he works, they're wondrous in themselves, but they're meant to point to something deeper. The resurrection of this young man is an image of the spiritual resurrection that our Lord came to give to us. And St. Augustine goes on to say, our Lord is written to have raised these three people from the dead. There are probably many more that he raised, but there are thousands that he raised spiritually. And he continues each day to raise us spiritually from the dead. This is what the Church, above all, wants to bring before us in this Gospel. That we are that young man, that without the grace of Christ, we are dead. This is the state in which all of us came into the world, spiritually speaking. And our Lord, moved to pity, by the tears, by the prayer of his church, raises us up. And we hear this action of our Lord being described in different ways in the prayers of the Mass, the prayers which are the prayers of the widowed mother, imploring the raising to life of her children. In the collect we heard, let thy continual pity, O Lord, cleanse and defend thy church. And because without thee non potes salva consistere, without thee it cannot stand whole, tuo semper munere gubernator, may it ever be governed by thy munus, the church in her prayer expresses the condition in which she finds herself, the condition in which all of her children find themselves, unable to stand firm, unable to stand up whole and upright, and prays that we might be governed, steered by God's munus. What is this munus? By God's gift, we could say. Uh, Sort of one of the basic translations of munus, but... The word munus is often used with a certain reference to the gift of the Holy Ghost. St. Paul told us at the beginning of the epistle, if we walk by the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This being governed by God's munus is walking in the Spirit. Spiritu ambulate, walk by the Spirit and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. So we ask in the collect that we might, despite our weakness, despite our our inability to stand firm, that we might be governed and steered by the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost who, as some of the brothers have been reading in one of their texts, the Holy Ghost directs all of creation to make it into the likeness of the Son, there's this dynamic relationship between the action of the Son, the Word, and the action of the Holy Ghost, and God directs us by the gift of the Holy Ghost, he directs us so that we can walk in the footsteps of his Son. It is the Holy Ghost who forms Christ within us, and this brings us to another way in which we can take that word, munus. Munus, gift, is a word that's often used in the secrets of the Mass in particular, to refer to the Eucharistic gifts, we might read a sort of gloss on this collect. Because without thee, thy church cannot stand firm, stand whole, may she always be governed by the gift of thy body and blood. This is the munus, the gift by which our Lord's own action is able to be at work in us. And this is precisely what we'll pray for in the post-communion of today's Mass. A very striking prayer that says quite explicitly, mentes nostras e corpora posidiat domine, doni celesti socoratio. May the working of the heavenly gift possess our minds and our bodies, O Lord. The gifts that we receive, this great munus of the Holy Eucharist, is to take over every part of our being, our mind and our body, are to be possessed by its operation. ut non noster sensus in nobis, said Iuditer aeus, effectus, so that not our own sense, but always its effect, might prevail in us. We make bold in the post-communion to pray that the action of the Holy Eucharist in us might take over, take over from noster sensus, from our own senses, senses in the broad sense, our own thinking, our own imagining, our own desiring, that all of it might be surrendered to the power of the Holy Ghost acting in us by virtue of the sacrament that we have received, by virtue of receiving our Lord's body and blood. We ask that this gift which we receive will take over our minds and our bodies. And in this way, we will be governed by God's munis, by his gift, even though we cannot stand firm on our own. So as we come to receive our Lord today, we'll hear the words of our Lord himself in John chapter 6, repeated over and over, telling us, the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The raising of the widow's son was only a sign of the spiritual resurrection that he wants to work in each one of us, in each one of those whom we pray for, in all of his church, in all mankind who he calls to belong to his church. He gives his body and blood for the life of the world, for the resurrection of the world, so that we might be raised to new life and that his action might prevail within us. And So as we receive our Lord's flesh today, we pray that he might give new life to us, to all those whom we love, to those whom we pray for, to all of his church. And then we will be able to sing the new song that he puts into our mouth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.